The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz/donate. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by Spark Lab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about Spark Lab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. Giving gifts can be hard, even if you know people pretty well. What if you have a big office workforce to buy for, or a secret centre for a stranger? Think about how many gifts go a little off the mark, and there is a big wastage problem here. What if people were instead able to give people the ability to pick a charity of their choice to give those gift dollars to? Well, that was the thought that started the Good Registry, a social enterprise that helps people and companies give people the gift of giving, supporting a roster of worthy and diverse Kiwi causes, and so far helping to channel more than $550,000 that might have gone into favourites and instant Kiwis into good. Its co-founder and CEO, Christine Langdon, left a successful career in corporate communications to pursue a purpose business. And she joins us now by Zoom from Wellington to discuss the journey, how it's going, and how a business built to do good can do well. Tēnā koe, kia ora. thank you for joining us. Kia ora, nā mehi o tora. Hey, so tell me about your background first up in corporate communications, as you're working with big corporates, but kind of doing good stuff there, hey? Yeah, I've had a couple of different careers. I actually started as a journalist and went from journalism into communications and always gravitated towards doing work where I felt, um, oh, excuse me, <coughs> Um, I always gravitated towards work where I felt that I could make a positive social difference. So I worked for the Red Cross for a period of time and I went into a communications consultancy that specialised in behaviour change and I got to work on social good campaigns around family violence and mental health awareness and that kind of thing. And then I had the opportunity to go to Z Energy which as a fossil fuel company might not seem like um, the obvious place uh, for somebody with doing social good work but it really is a different kind of company it's Kiwi owned um, and the chief executive uh, there Mike Bennett really um, does focus on the positive difference that um, a company in that space can make and uh, its role in giving back to communities and its role in helping people to use less fossil fuels and to look at um, other alternatives um, such as biofuels and that kind of thing so it felt like 
a good place to work for me. And the opportunity that I got once I was there was to work on their community strategy. So to develop a community strategy and to lead the implementation of that, looking at all the ways that Zed could and ways that was right for it as a corporate in the fossil fuel space uh, give back to the communities that it is part of. Cool. What were some of the initiatives that you pioneered through that? Uh, people will be very familiar with Good in the Hood, uh, where Zed gives away about a million dollars every year to charities in local communities. It lets the um, service stations in those communities decide which charities they want to support in their neighbourhood, and then it lets the customers decide which charities they want the money to go to that's being put up at each service station. So that was part of my remit, uh, the oversight of that programme. And then we were also doing things around the well-being of the site staff, the people who work at the front line for Zed, um, how we could look after them. And that included setting up things like a fund that all of the Zed retailers across New Zealand put money into so that if staff got into trouble, for example, um, we had a staff member with two, two children in hospital um, and a staff member whose home burnt down. Uh, some, some funds were available to help uh, the frontline staff who were in real need. Uh, there was a skilled volunteering program, um, and um, I was also doing work looking at uh, things like nutrition, some of the products that Zed sells besides fossil fuels and how, uh, as a business, they could look to move into a more uh, nutritious space. And that's so interesting that in the corporate world, you know, having started in journalism, uh, you know, it might be a simplistic way to look at the world and go, well, journalism's about holding, you know, speaking truth to power and helping kind of, you know, be part of the civic debate and corporations are about making money. But you, a lot of the news doesn't really help the world and a lot of corporations uh, don't, don't as well, but some really can. I think whatever job you are doing you can um, bring power to it, you can do good through it. And it doesn't matter whether that's journalism or whether that's working in a government department, whether it's working for a corporate, um, or whether, you know, in the situation I'm in now, it's in something that you've created yourself. We can all, um, it's important to know what our own values are and to bring those to our work, whatever our work is. What was the... What, what, what led you to want to move out of what I imagine was a really satisfying career and with resources to be able to make a lot of impact as, as well? Um, what led you to want to set up your own purpose-based business? I was really conscious that I was in uh, what I believed was one of New Zealand's best companies um, that was doing a lot for social good and that I had an awesome role there um, that enabled me to... Uh, do the kinds of things that mattered to me. And then at the same time, I felt like there was more that I wanted to do that wasn't constrained by the corporate priorities. Um, so obviously everything that we were doing in the social good space at Zed needed to be cognizant of what were the impacts that Zed has on its communities and therefore what were the right places for it to play. And there was just something else burning inside of me that um, I wanted to feel like I could do something else that wasn't uh, wasn't the right fit for where I was at Zed and the only way to do that was to get out and um, and create that thing myself. There wasn't another job I wanted to go to or another business that I wanted to work for. So it was uh, go and create. 
And so were you looking for an idea of something that you could do in the purpose space and then you found it and you jumped? Or did you jump and then go, I'll find something? Or um, yeah. how did you go? I jumped and then I found. Uh, I And I've done this before. Uh, I, I think that I make myself very busy. And when you're very busy, it's very hard to have ideas and to create the time and space to go after new things. And sometimes uh, when the cup is full, you've got to think about what you can empty out. And sometimes that has to be work. Uh, so a couple of times I've left jobs with nothing to go to. And that was one of those occasions. And I knew what I wanted to do on leaving was give myself some time and some space to think, to reconnect with what mattered to me. I had previously had ideas for social enterprises and um, just thought, I'll put those on the back burner for when I have time. And I didn't know whether any of them were the right thing to get after. So having jumped, I had the time to do some thinking about my values, the kind of uh, impact that I wanted to have, the kinds of things that bring me joy. I think our work should bring us joy. Um, and how I could create something that would uh, meet my needs. And my needs were around... Uh, being creative, making something happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise, and that sense of contribution and community. So how could I um, bring communities together, uh, be part of the community? How could I make a contribution? And how could that contribution be amplified by helping others to make a contribution? Because one of the things I'd been very clear on at Z was the thing that gives me the most joy is when I can see that I'm making a contribution. And what was the insight that led you to set up the Good Registry? Uh, and, and how did it kind of fit into that? Um, you know, it's, it's so cool to hear having that kind of really purposeful approach and understanding what your values are and understanding what makes you happen and understanding the, the impact you want to make. That, that's also a really hard shopping list for an idea to, <laughs> to match up to, isn't it? It is, and there was an aha moment, mm. and like anything, that aha moment only became um, came about because of the layers that had built up underneath it. So there were a few things. The first was that uh, I knew that I got joy from giving, but that I didn't necessarily like digging into my own pocket to give. It was easier for me to give when I felt like the money um, was going through me rather than from me. So, um, for example, I uh, was teaching yoga and I was teaching yoga for koha and the koha never came into my pocket. It went into um, a kitty and then the uh, participants in my yoga class got to decide which charities they would like that money to go to. And I got so much joy from um, seeing that at Christmas we were giving gift vouchers to women in the Women's Refuge. And I knew that that was my giving and I felt amazing for it, but I'd never had to um, take the money into my bank account and then take it back out of my bank account and give it again. So there was something about looking for ways that I could give and give others to give that didn't feel like it was our money. And uh, the other part of the puzzle was uh, a thing around conscious consumerism that I was starting to lean into. I was starting to realise I didn't need as much as I had um, and that I didn't want stuff that I didn't need. And um, 
gift giving in particular was a, um, a problem for me. Uh, I have some friends who are, you know, I think people have the gift giving gene or they don't. And I have some friends who give incredible gifts and they, they know me and, and they know the kinds of things that will have meaning for me and I think those people are wonderful. Um, and then I also have people and my mother is one of them um, and I can say this because I, she's never listened to a podcast in her life so she won't <laughs> hear me say this. <laughs> um, uh, I've received so many gifts from my mother that I've never used um, and it actually breaks my heart that she has bought those gifts with love and she um, has a limited budget and she has limited mobility and she will go into town and park the car and, and shop and buy a gift uh, and often that gift is made in China and bring it home and, and wrap it and pack it and then go back into town to send it and there was so much waste associated with that and I got her gene um, and I was a terrible gift buyer as well and I was always the person on Christmas Eve who would be in the shops until the shops shut stressed about what I could get for people and I felt like there was money in that system that was getting wasted that could um, be used on the gifting side instead where we could get that joy of giving to others without digging into our own pockets. We could just take money that was going on to things that nobody wanted anyway, that were worse than single use, often they were never used, and have that money go to good causes and feel really good about that. And tell me about how it works in practice, as you know, people may be familiar with some kind of, um, you know, some charities, uh, had, had things that you could do things like buy a goat for a village somewhere. And that was kind of cool and had, had a thing. But there, it was kind of pre-decided. But a really key part of this platform is that you're still giving the recipient a choice to donate what they want to to something. So it's not kind of the giftee <laughs> making the choice. It's the receiver. And that was always a fundamental principle. Uh, when we launched it, we launched it as a gift registry, which is why it's called The Good Registry. So people could set up a gift registry for their own birthday or for their Christmas or for their wedding. And instead of choosing stuff, they could choose the charity that they wanted money to go to. And we had um, lots of different charities that they could choose from. So then they would get a unique URL, they would send their friends and family that URL and say, hey, I would really appreciate it if you gave to this charity that I've chosen instead of uh, buying me gifts that I don't want or need. Um, because we wanted the person who would have been otherwise receiving the gift to be the person who was deciding that they wanted this instead and to be deciding what sort of cause they wanted the money to go to as compared with being given a goat or a chicken, which is wonderful because it's still taking the waste out of the gift giving system and giving the money to good, but it's not giving the person who would have um, otherwise received a thing the opportunity to be active in deciding the cause that's close to their heart that they want the money to go to instead. So we launched with registries uh, and, and because we wanted the recipient to be the one choosing and then we got some really strong feedback from that first Christmas that the gifter did want to be able to 
give um, the donation instead of the gift to people who hadn't created registries. Um, and in amongst that, we had some businesses that wanted to be able to use us for giving to their staff. Um, and we had one business, the Cooperative Bank, which has been incredible um, right since we launched, who set up a registry for their leadership team to all donate to instead of doing a secret Santa. So they found a workaround. Um, so we, we sat back and looked at that and said, okay, well, how about um, if instead of going for that model where the person doing the gifting has chosen where they would like the money to go, we give them a gift card which they can give to the recipient so the recipient still gets to be the one that has the joy of um, being active in the giving and choosing the charity that they want the money to go to. So we've got the two, the two ways to give still, the recipient-driven registries and the giver-driven gift cards. Yeah, wow. And so with those gift cards especially, um, someone gets given a gift card uh, and it says, hey, here's a card, here's $40 that you can jump on and you can go to the good registry and then there's a collection, 60 plus um, local and diverse uh, charities there, that people can choose something from there to then get that money to go to. Yeah, and what is really cool is they don't have to give it all to one. Uh, if you've got a $40 gift card, you can split that between eight charities because the minimum that we've got it set at is $5 per charity. Uh, you can give it all to one if there's one that's really, really close to your heart. And we'll often see that if uh, somebody has a dog that was rescued through chained dog rehabilitation and rehoming, they'll want to give their whole $40 to that. Um, but then we'll also see people who want to sprinkle it around with, between a few different charities that uh, look after vulnerable children and families or a little bit for the environment and a little bit for children and a little bit for animals. So people get to be like they're in the lolly shop. Um, <laughs> and I get to see uh, all of those donations come through and it's really fun. You know, I've seen people with a $200 gift card who have split it between 20 or 30 different charities. That, that's so cool. And I imagine the ability to choose your charity is really important for some people as well as values alignment uh, is a big thing as, you know, even charities aren't uncomplicated. Like, for for example, the Salvation Army do wonderful things in the community um, of huge benefit in terms of rehabilitation and, and all kinds of things. But a lot of people in uh, the, uh, in, 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 well, in the wider community, but also people interested in kind of pride matters, could have very reasonable reasons not to want to have a donation in their name sent to them. So, yeah, I imagine that values alignment um, uh, is really important. Yeah, the values alignment is really important. And that experience of doing the gifting, there's a lot of science that says that giving is good for us. So um, when you get the opportunity to take someone else's money and um, go and give that to charities, you get those good endorphins. And uh, the research also shows that the, the benefits with giving are for the person who gives, the person who receives, and also anybody who sees it. So, you know, you might be kind of sending your good vibes out into the world all day and telling other people about it because you've got to have that good giving experience. And you're also um, looking through charities that you might not have heard of 
before and we've tried to get a mix of charities that are the big names that people would expect to see there and we just you know you've got to have them there because people expect them and then also charities that people haven't heard of before so people can learn about the kinds of causes that are out in the community. And I've heard beautiful stories, for example, from parents who have sat down with their children with a gift card and looked at all the charities and talked about what those charities do and why we need those sorts of charities in our communities. So there's all kinds of layers to uh, the benefits of that experience with the gift card, the person being able to go there and choose. Rather than, um, you know, I have in the past before, we created the Good Registry and this was part of the inspiration for the Good Registry. I have given people a goat or a chicken or sponsored a child for them and um, been surprised by the kind of numb reaction to that. And then I realised it was me that got the joy when I got to choose the goat or the chicken or the sponsor a child. And tell me how you actually got it started. Like, what's involved in taking an idea like that and making a a social enterprise that that does... um, disperse money to to charity and yeah how do you actually get it up and going just start uh i think that would probably be the answer you'd get from most people with most of these things just take some steps and um start going uh so the first few steps included um well first of all it was getting my co-founders on board um i i spoke to a couple of friends and i told them i'd had this idea and they said they loved the idea and then next thing they were on board as co-founders and that's tracy bridges and sue mccabe and the three of us uh decided that if this thing was worth doing it was worth doing now um, when something um, has its time, it's a good thing just to, to jump in and, and make the most of that. And Christmas was coming. We had the idea in August, just after my birthday. And we thought, well, if we're going to do this, even though it's not a Christmas giving platform, Christmas is that one time of the year when everybody's consciousness is around gifting. It's something that affects all of us. And that a lot of people feel a bit uncomfortable about the kind of gifting that goes on at Christmas. Um, and, and we'd potentially get some good media engagement at Christmas as well. So we were like, let's go help with weather and see if we can do this for Christmas. So um, the steps were, uh, we got introduced to somebody at Deloitte who was a specialist in uh, social enterprises. And we went and talked to him around what kind of business model would be best for um, the kind of thing that we were setting up. And he suggested uh, um, a company and a trust sitting side by side. So we then needed to set up the company and the trust. Uh, We met with other people who just know a lot of stuff in this space, like the chief executive of the Akina Foundation, which um, is the overarching support body uh, for social enterprises, an amazing organization for anyone in social enterprise. Um, we decided uh, to do a crowdfunding campaign, so we got that underway on Pledge Me, and part of the reason for that was to start to build awareness and a support base for when we launched. Um, and of course, one of the biggest things that we needed to do straight away was see if somebody could build it for us in time for Christmas. So uh, we put together a plan of what we wanted and we contacted uh, half a dozen web development agencies and found one that was up for doing it, Uh, got a contract in place with them and then just started. And 
it was very long days uh, working with them to do the, the website build, get the content for the website. At the same time, we decided that we would start with 50 charity partners so that uh, people who were choosing to have donations instead of gifts for Christmas had a decent amount of charities to choose from. So we were out, we were selecting the charity partners that we wanted to start with and um, approaching those. Um, and then, yeah, getting the, the charity trustee written and um, through charity services, getting charity registration, um, getting all of the accounting systems in place. It's it's a lot. And, you know, you, you've got a great team of, of co-founders with a lot of experience in uh, the, the philanthropic sector and in, uh, you, you, you know, do, doing purpose-based um business there and, and a great team around it. Um, how, how does the actual, but yeah, it must have been enormously hard. How, how does the actual kind of business side of it work for the social enterprise side with um, the setup of how you then run the company? Our commitment as a social enterprise is, um, well, first of all, a social enterprise always exists for purpose, not for profit, um, but it can make a profit. Uh, and that profit should be um, at least half reinvested for um, for the purpose that the social enterprise exists for. We are not making a profit, and if and when we do, we will do things like um, reducing the fee that we are currently um, taking to try and cover our costs. Um, uh, so the model is that all of the money that's donated goes into the charity and the charity holds those funds and um, passes them on to the uh, charity partners of ours that people have chosen for the money to go to. On the way through, um, we take out 10% and uh, 3% of that uh, is covering our credit card transaction costs or hopefully or just about. Um, and 7% of that goes to the company to try to cover the costs that the company picks up around all of the technology development and hosting um, and the other kinds of services that we need, um, our zero account. Um, uh, and uh, a little bit of money that we spend on social media. Um, and uh, we are just about covering the company's costs at the moment and that's because everyone continues to work pro bono because we're here for impact um uh, i i work pro bono and uh, we have some fantastic partners uh, who are um, working for us pro bono mage binary doing our it and deloitte doing all of our financial management kia ora i'm sophie i'm simon and I'm Alice, and together we host the spin-off's food podcast, Dietary Requirements. Join us each month as we explore a vast culinary landscape, from the gourmet... Ooh la la. ...to your more hearty tucker. Onion dip, anyone? Everything's on the table in Dietary Requirements. Subscribe wherever you listen to all your favourite podcasts. Oh, that's a huge commitment um, to make there. And tell me about kind of the effect that you've had so far, the impact that you've been able to have uh, over the couple of years that you've been operating? I really like to start when we're talking about impact at um, the micro level. Um, so the things that give me real joy are seeing the children, for example, who are using the Good Registry for a birthday instead of um, receiving gifts. Um, 
stories like a young girl whose uh, father had died of bowel cancer just before her birthday and um, for her birthday she was given one of our good gift cards and got in touch with us and said I'd really like to be able to give this gift card to bowel cancer because that's important to me and we were like okay we don't have a bowel cancer charity but um, and we're at our cap for how many charities we can have but this really matters and, and we really want to help this girl and bowel cancer is a is a really important issue for New Zealanders so we were able to approach bowel cancer New Zealand and bring them on as a charity partner and then this year I saw that girl come back and create a registry for bowel cancer for her birthday that is to me um, impact in its most kind of beautiful um, form and then there's impact through uh, corporates as well. Um, a lot of corporates spend a lot on gifts um, for staffing customers that never get used. And often that stuff that's branded and can't even really be given away. Um, and to see corporates coming back to us and, and some of them like the cooperative bank year after year um, to give uh, their staff the chance to give donations instead of gifts. That's fantastic. That's an incredible amount of money that's going to good instead of on stuff that people don't need. And it's an incredible amount of waste um, that's being avoided. And their people are getting an incredible amount of joy from that. And um, the chief executive of Cooperative Bank says that he used to give his staff Christmas gifts and he kind of hear you know, nothing back from them. And when he started giving them the good gift cards from the good registry, his inbox gets flooded with people saying how proud they are, how good it feels at that time of the year, telling him which charities they've chosen and why. And then we hear stories that people are then giving good gift cards to other people or continuing to support um, those charities beyond the gift card that they've received because they've gotten that bug that we want people to get around how good it feels to give. Yeah. And that service that you, you provide in that, creating that visibility, traceability, accountability uh, and, and transparency around it, um, you, you know, that money may not have ever been diverted from uh, a bottle of wine for everyone to something that was going to charity. But also um, the fact that it's so visible means that um, it's really going to happen. It's really going to go through. And uh, mm. that, that must have a real value too. It really does. Because I, the other thing that I have heard of is there are a lot of corporates now that are saying instead of giving gifts, we're going to give all of this money to this one charity that we've chosen or these couple of charities that we've chosen. And like you said before, um, there are some charities that do great work that uh, some people have some reservations about. Um, and also most of us have causes that we really, really care about. And, um, and the company saying that it's just going to make this donation on people's behalf um, takes away the opportunity to give the money to something that people personally feel connected with. And also um, there is a sense of something having been taken away from them and not replaced with anything. And there is the lack of visibility that, um, well, you say that you've given the money to this charity and we hope that you have. Um, but to receive the gift card yourself means that you know and, and you, you did it. It sounds awful, doesn't it? But that, that does happen. <laughs> that people say they make uh, 
you know, Donald Trump is one of the world's great examples of saying that he makes ex- <laughs> uh, donations. And um, some very dogged reporting from the Washington Post showed that you know hundreds of uh, supposed donations never never occurred. Yeah, and we hope that doesn't happen. Um, and at the same time, often the donations that do get made by corporates um, come with some strings attached or look a little bit more like um, sponsorship than a straight donation. Uh, so again, the cool thing with this is it's it's no strings. It's just going where the money, um, where, the, where the person that received the gift of giving wanted it to go to. What advice would you have for people who are, because I, I imagine you're also on top of all of your responsibilities here, still having to maintain consulting and other work in the um, the, the, the public good and, and, and corporate communications space. What, what advice would you have for people who are in uh, corporate life and or, or, or jobs and want to get involved in a purpose business? Uh, I think there are two things I'd say. One is... Um, all that we know that we've got in life is this day. So don't put it off if there's something that you really want to do. Um, don't think that you'll do it later. Um, and do check in with your values and make sure that the work that you're doing is aligned with your values. And like I said before, it's entirely possible to live your values in any organisation. It doesn't mean that you have to go and start something. And if, if your need to do purpose-driven work isn't being met, you could go and start something if there's a gap. Um, but if somebody's already doing something that you like, see if you can help. Um, there are organisations like ours around that are working to the, you know, like, all we can squeeze out of our resources. And we're, you know, we're always so happy to have people who want to do purpose-driven work come in and offer their skills to help us increase our impact and you know there are still ways that we can expand and grow and um, if you want to make a difference perhaps you can look for an organization that your skills could help rather than creating something that works maybe even in competition with uh, good things that are already out there and if you have a fantastic idea then do it don't don't leave it for later or um or hope that someone else is going to do it. Or, you know, if, you, if you're if you never going to do it, put that idea out into the world and see if someone else wants to pick it up and do it. Yeah, cool. It's a lo- that's a lovely idea. And in terms of um, in terms of success, you know, as a final question, something we love, we love to ask everyone on the show, like, what will the success be for you, both personally and for the Good Registry? I've, I feel the success now. I really do, when I see some, you know, the stories like the ones that I've described, that feels like success to me. Uh, knowing that uh, because of us, there are 16,000 fewer things in the world so far, things that would have been given as corporate gifts or secret centres and potentially just found their way to landfill. Um, and and because of that, we've avoided the, the carbon emissions and the environmental impacts, as well as the waste of money. And because of us, there's $550,000 that would have been spent on those things that is now doing something good in the world. 
so that, uh, that gives me the sense that what we're doing is worth it and that success to me, um, I'm having fun seeing it and success is enjoying life um, and if you're doing work that you enjoy, that is success. Um, on a bigger scale, if I was to try and, and peg it to something, it would be knowing that we, had, that we were sustainable and enduring um, that we're in a place where the financial model isn't completely reliant on people working pro bono. Uh, and knowing that we've really changed the game and how people are thinking about the things that they buy um, or that they receive as gifts, that people are thinking differently and behaving differently and that we're not uh, trashing the planet uh, to show that we care um, taking from future generations to give each other things that are, are never going to be used. Because, you know, like, it's just crazy to try and show somebody that you care um, by trashing the planet. Uh-huh. And, and it's so cool to talk to you at this stage in your journey, 66% up year on year uh, and, and growing growing so fast. Yeah, if people are listening and they have a corporate gift buying program, make sure you do go check out the good registry. It doesn't take a lot of corporates to really make a big difference uh, to that growth curve. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Christine Langdon, uh, CEO and co-founder at the Good Registry, for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great to talk with you. Thank uh, you, choice. Thank you, thank you very much to Tina Taylor for producing, and thank you very much for having us along in your ears. Cheers. Kia ora. You've been listening to Business Is Boring, presented by Simon Pound brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.